to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. It's an absolute privilege to be with you this morning. Um, as you can tell by my accent, I'm not from Korea, so... Uh, <laughs> But I'm from Wales, and so um, I was born in Wales, uh, raised in Wales, and in 2005 left Wales um, to go and speak at a conference in America where I actually met my amazing wife. And so that was 2005, 2006 we got married, which is a whole other story in itself. And for about three and a half, two and a half, three years, we, we moved um, really lived itinerantly. We lived out of two suitcases when people asked you know, where we lived, we would say we live in two Samsonite Avenue. And so we had two Samsonite cases. And um, yeah, it was just amazing. Uh, but in 2008, the Lord called us what we thought was to New Zealand. But um, we actually ended up in Australia, Melbourne, Australia. And uh, I just love Melbourne, Australia because it's got good food, it's got good wine, and it's got good coffee. Amen? The trinity of every Christian life. I, I always say that, that, that coffee is the fourth part of the Trinity. Because if God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit doesn't move me, then God caffeine does. Amen? <laughs> Jehovah caffeine, the Lord that lifteth thee. <laughs> and so we've got to realize that there's, an, there's, always, there's always a need for coffee. And so how many people don't like coffee? Well, we're going to pray for you at the end. It's, it's going to be a deliverance line at the front. I'm sure we can, we can deal with that this morning. But uh, to cut a long story short, we uh, moved to Melbourne to pastor a, a church there. And for nine years, we pastored a church. And then in 2016, we actually planted a school um, called School of Prophets. And really, we realized that our assignment of pastoring had end. You see, one of the things we have to realize as believers is, is we've got to get out of the, the thinking of meetings and we've got to get into the thinking of assignments. God said he would do signs and wonders in the earth. The word sign doesn't appear in meetings, but it appears in assignments. There's always a sign in the assignment. And so if you posture your heart to respond to the Lord and say, Father, everything I do is an assignment for you. Everything I do is an assignment to... Um, see your kingdom come, your will be done, you realize that your life will become a life of rhythm because when it's an assignment, there's a beginning and an end. And you realize that assignment completed, Lord, I'm on to the next. But for us is we live under this unending sort of meeting. Oh, everything, you know, everything's a meeting. Everything's a committee. Everything's, no, it's not. It's an assignment for the Lord. Amen. And so I want to encourage you today is even before I get into my message this morning, there is an assignment the Lord has for you. There is a setting apart He has for you, not from the world, but to the world. Because as Paul said, we're not, we're not of the world, but we're in it. And so, you know, one of the things I want to encourage you today, and I feel like God is doing this through this house, is, is that God is setting you apart for, for special ops. You are a special ops church. And you are a church, and I'll get into it in my message in a minute, but God is going to use you for special ops. That it's, it's not going to be one-faceted, but it's a multifaceted 
absolute uh, application of what God's going to do in and through you. And each and every one of you, God has called and set apart for assignments that are going to see his kingdom come. Am I speaking to somebody? And so there is an activation. There is, a, there is an awareness. There is a realization that God wants us to step into that whatever he does with us here is an empowerment. What he does with us there is an outpouring. You are the meeting place of God for everyone. You are the, you are the tabernacle of God. Amen? You see, everything God done in the old is, is a, a doing. Everything he did in the new is a being. You see, in, in the old, they had a tabernacle. In the new, we've become the tabernacle. In the old, they had a Sabbath. In the new, we've become the Sabbath of God. I am the rest of God. And so we realize that, that everything there was a doing has now become a being. You are a living sacrifice. That means everywhere I am, I become the meeting place of God. I become the encounter. I become the, the breakthrough for someone. You see, when, when you show up, the options change. When you walk into a room, the options have just changed in that room. The narrative of that room has just changed because you walked in. Let me try this side. When you walk into a room, the options change. Everything. We've got the Baptists and Pentecostals. And so one of the things I begin to realize is that my presence isn't a determining factor of what can happen to me, my presence is a determining factor of what can happen through me. You see, if, if where you are is affecting who you are, you've got a problem. But if who you are is affecting where you are, you've got a purpose. And we realize that we become the meeting place of God. So wherever I am, now I become a thermostat of that area not a thermometer and this is one of the things as, as sort of prophetic people or, or as Christians we like to go into a, a sort of space and we like to take the temperature instead of change it amen and so before I start this morning I want to actually bless you guys with something um, this is a this is a resource I developed about 18 months ago it's called bringing or how to bring immediate effect uh, through the prophetic. And so if you go to uh, schoolofprophets.org.au forward slash keep that PDF as small case, not uppercase, or lowercase. And so um, this really is a resource that enables people just to, it takes you literally three, it's three pages that gives you steps and keys on how to activate uh, an awareness of who you are and who others are around you. And so I want to bless you with that. And if you want to Follow us on social media. Uh, you can do that by going to um, them two things there. I'm, I'm, I'm not big on this stuff. This is my team. My team's like, you better put this up when you go. I'm like, okay, I will. They'll be blessed to know it sparked a prophetic word. Amen? And so, amen. Everyone good for that? Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's put our hands in our hearts this morning. And, and why don't we pray this prayer? Say, Father, speak to my heart and change my life. 
Father, we just welcome the spirit of wisdom and revelation right now to, Lord, unlock mysteries to us. And, Lord, to give us insight and foresight in this place. Lord, I thank you right now that secret things belong to you, but the things revealed belong to us. So, Lord, we take ownership this morning. We, Father, occupy a place of revelation, Lord, this morning that that which is, is revealed wouldn't just be revealed to us, but through us today. In Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. Friends, this morning, if you're looking for a title uh, to a message, then, then really the title to the message this morning is, is Welcome to Your Insignificant Life. <laughs> That's a real great one for a motivation this morning. Welcome to Your Insignificant Life. You see, one of the things that I've began to realize in, in my life is that Sometimes our need for significance actually blocks the significance of God happening in our life. And our, our want for significance or our, our humanity and our, our, our sort of reach for the significant things actually becomes at enmity or becomes contradictory to actually what God is, is calling out in our life. You see, if He says you're great, you're great. If he says you're awesome, guess what? You're awesome. You don't need anything else. You see, if I think Bill Johnson says it like this. If, if we live by the praise of men, then we'll die by their criticism. And the Lord is inviting us into a narrative that where we begin to understand that what he or what we call insignificant, he actually calls significant. And what we think is ineffective, God actually calls effective. And I feel like there is, a, there is a call right now, and I believe this is something that God is doing in and through you. There is a renewing of our mind to realize that really when God is doing a work, He's not looking for people of impact, He's looking for people of influence. Let me try this side. He's not looking for places of impact. He's looking for people of influence. And if you think that size is an issue, if you think that you need to be big, you need to be huge, you need to be, there needs to be something of significance to take place. The friend, this morning, my friend, I want us to consider the mosquito. Because a mosquito doesn't get up in the morning and say, I need to be big to be effective. I need to grow to be effective. Friend, a mosquito just does what a mosquito does. But a mosquito has an ability to disrupt your life in such a way that when you're lying down at night, all of a sudden you only have to hear one word, and you, one noise, and you're not going to go to sleep. <laughs> I have baptized my room in bug spray because of a noise. I've nearly killed my wife because of this noise. And the mosquito does nothing other than do what a mosquito does. And one of the things that God is inviting us into right now is to find out the narrative of our purpose, because when we find the narrative of our purpose, we'll realize we are who we are and we do what we do. And nothing is going to change it. Am I speaking to somebody? And so for me, 
I lived this life for so long wanting to, to see significance. I wanted to see impact. And one day the Lord asked me this. He said, son, and this is when we started leading a church. And I'm like, I was looking at everyone else. And this is what we've got to realize. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I was looking at everyone else and I was comparing. And the Lord said this to me, son, when are you going to be okay with being okay? When are you going to be okay with being you? And I'm like, okay, God. And this is what he said to me. He said, son, do you want a church of a thousand or do you want 10 of a hundred? And everything within me was like, you know what the answer I give? Because it's the answer you'd give. Lord, I want a church of a thousand. No. You see, that's impact. Ten of a hundred is influence. Am I speaking to somebody? And I began to realize that God had called me and God had called us in that moment to actually be a people of influence that was not just there for a moment, but God wanted to create a movement. And so, friends, I want to say to you right now, in this place, the city, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And God is going to use you and God is going to cause you not to be a people that just multiplies through one facet, but you're going to multiply through different areas that literally, this is what I see. I see the city dot, dot, and after that, many different things. You see, this is what I see, the city cafe, the city enterprise, the city dot, dot. Literally, it's literally after that, it's anything that you can imagine and create with God, you can be. And this is what's happened in the body of Christ. And I shared this some yesterday, is we've restricted ourselves. We have, we have harnessed ourselves in a way of restriction that has caused us to only see God do things in one dimension. Therefore, when I said to you right now, do you want a church of a thousand or ten of a hundred? Every one of you thought those ten were going to be churches. But what if only one of that was a church, one was a business, one was a shopping center, one was a, what does that look like? Am I speaking to somebody? You see, multiplication doesn't have to be of its kind. Multiplication is all about the purposes of God. And I feel right now in this room that the multiplication of what God is wanting to do through this house is going to be diverse and multifaceted in such a way that the infiltration of what God is wanting to do through culture is going to come through those in the sound of my voice right now. Am I speaking to somebody? And if we think that what God is wanting to do is insignificant, then I want us to consider right now Matthew 21. Let's, let's turn to Scripture and make this meeting legal. Amen? In Matthew 21, verse 1, it says, And when they had approached to Jerusalem and had come from Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into a village 
opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. Do you know, let me just pause there. Let's bring this into a modern, you know, modern sort of context. I'm like, this is like walking into a Ferrari garage, jumping in the Ferrari, and if anyone says to you, hey, what are you doing? You say, it's okay, the Lord needs this, and just drive off. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet, but I'm, I'm <laughs> the scriptural precedent here. What does it look like? Literally, the disciples showed up almost into what we class as a car garage, grabbed the donkeys, and the guy's like, hey, what are you doing? They're like, it's okay, the Lord needs these. And then they're going to go, okay. Now, let's, let's probably start with, with a Hyundai or Kia first before we go into a, a Ferrari. And let's just see if it works. How many people are ready for their faith to be increased? Amen? Can you imagine that walking into a car garage, just jumping in, turning on the, and, and about to just drive off. And like, hey, stop. It's okay. Jesus needs it. That's called shoplifting. <laughs> I think I would go from... You know, from um, Matthew 21 straight to Acts 16, and at midnight, Gary and someone else was in prison singing hymns to God. Amen? And so we find ourselves, all of a sudden, Jesus commands his disciples to go and get two donkeys. A donkey and its colt. Because there was a fulfillment to take place. You see, it's amazing. We begin to realize that when Jesus came in to Jerusalem, something unique was happening. You see, I want you in your Bibles to look at the top of your uh, verse of chapter 21. And what does that say in the top of chapter 21? Those who've got non-electronic Bibles, what does it say? Pastor, what's it say in yours? The triumphant entry. Anyone else? What's it say in yours? Jesus' triumphant entry. So when I think of triumphant entries, I don't think of a donkey. When I think of a triumphant entry, I don't think of someone riding into a city on a donkey. For me, a triumphant entry would in those days be a horse. In my day, would not be a Ford, it would be a Ferrari. Amen? You see, in modern day times, it's like Jesus coming into the city driving a Ford Fiesta. Can you imagine that? The triumphant entry. How many of us here this morning would connect triumphant entry with a Kia or a Hyundai? Am I speaking to somebody? For us, a triumphant entry would be rolling up in a Bugatti or rolling up in a Ferrari or rolling up in an Aston Martin. Not a Ford, not a Kia, not a Hyundai. But Jesus is... Example and context of a triumphant entry has got to bring us to this realization that he isn't bringing us into a place where we think that what he's going to do is of earthly significance. What he's doing is of heavenly significance. Because Jesus is never about a moment, he's about a movement. And everything that Jesus does isn't about moments, it's about movements. And sometimes what we think is an insignificant happening in our life. Friend, I want to say to you right now, God needs your insignificance to bring His significance. 
God needs every one of us. We might be there. Well, Gary, I'm not as gifted as that person or I'm not as blessed as that person. No, no, you, you. Let me quote from the, the great apostle Oscar Wilde right now. He says, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Yeah? And you begin to realize that we come and we present our life and saying, God, I'm no one. Well, that's the whole message of Christianity, that God has called no ones to be someone's. Amen? That He is inviting us into a journey where we begin to realize that He is calling us beyond what we think is significant into really what He's calling in to insignificance. Friend, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you willing to give God your donkey? Are you willing to give God the very thing that you feel is insignificant because God wants to ride into a city? You see, we sang a song this morning, God, you do great things. Yes, he does. But you know, for God to do great things, we have to do things great. I don't think you got that. Let me try that again. For God to do great things, we have to do things great. You see, there's a difference between perfection and excellence. Perfection is being concerned with the mind of man. Excellence is being consumed with the mind of God. When it comes to perfection, it's connected to performance. When it comes to excellence, it's connected to presence. And so I realize I'm not just going to see great things, but I'm going to do things great. And I'm going to see God begin to develop and establish things that are way beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. Am I speaking to somebody? And so if you hear this morning, I want to take us through, if I can, some pointers in Scripture for us to ponder this morning. Amen? You see, the Bible says to consider the ant. Now, I'm going to share something this morning, which I hope is culturally acceptable. If is isn't, I'll probably be told something else. But the other day, back in, in summer, we have a pool. And, and Tobias, all of a sudden, I look at Tobias. And Tobias is crouched, absolutely naked, crouched like this. And all of a sudden, I realize there's liquid emitting from his, from his body. And I'm like, good Lord, he's on the patio and he is just peeing everywhere. And I'm like, Tobias, what are you doing? He's like, Daddy, I'm peeing on the ants. <laughs> so I walk over and there he is, and I went to the actions, but he's there and he's like aiming for this, these ants. And you can see the ants, you know, all of a sudden, I'm like, Dude, what are you doing? He's like, Dad, I'm just killing. I said, buddy, you're not killing them. And I began to look. And all of a sudden, I felt the Lord tap me. He said, watch. And I began to watch. And I'm like, well, God, I need to discipline my child here because this is unacceptable. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, you watch. And all of a sudden, I'm watching. And I realized these ants, all of a sudden, just rerouted. They just rerouted. And I'm like, what? And the Lord says, 
You need to be like the ant. When, when the world seems to be, you know where I'm going, on you, just reroute. Just reroute. Just readapt. You see, this is what happens. Life gets thrown at us, and all of a sudden, we're in two weeks of prayer ministry. Something, something, you know, hits us, and we're like, that's it. Everything's over. Consider the ant, my friend. Because when, when life was hitting it, it just rewrote it. Literally went back to the last one and then rewrote it. I, I, have, a, I have a deep sense this morning. Friend, I tell you, there's going to be storms. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. But I want to tell you this morning, nothing can separate you from the love and the purpose of God. You see, to the one who flies, the sky is always blue. And you might think that we're in the midst of it. Well, I want to tell you like this. God didn't say the weapons wouldn't form. He just said they wouldn't prosper. He didn't say weapons wouldn't form. He just said they wouldn't prosper. So when you see a nuke missile of, of attack, just realize the nuke missile is just there, but it's not going to do anything. But we freak out. Oh my gosh, the enemy's going to take us out. No, no, no. God has got a plan and a purpose for you. I love to pass it. One of my favorite verses today in, in my life that God's given me this, this revelation on. We all know it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard. Amen? You see, our belief system is exactly like the comma in that chapter, in that verse. When the enemy, this is how it's written. Because in Hebrew, there is no punctuation. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, God raises a standard. Who put that comma there? The person who didn't have an understanding of the amazingness of God. By just switching that comma to another place, you understand the fullness of what God wants to do. You see, just switch the comma. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God raises a standard. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God raises a standard. But we read it, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard. Am I speaking to somebody? Consider the ant this morning. That's, I tell you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, that sort of connects to that story this morning. Amen? And so, God's going to raise the standard. Friend, can I ask you something else? Jesus, in his parable of the mustard seed, he said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can what? Move a mountain. Is that literal or figurative? If you believe it's literal, put your hand up. If you believe it's figurative, put your hand up. No one's putting their hand up because they don't want to get caught. You're a wise church. You see, Jesus wasn't just speaking figuratively. He was speaking literal. You see, one of the greatest destructive forces in the Middle East right now, and it still is, in, in all parts of, of uh, UAE in Jerusalem, is the mustard seed. Why? Because a mustard seed is able to get down into the crack or foundation of a building and all of a sudden begin to sprout. 
and it begins to sprout and it begins to sprout and it begins to sprout and all of a sudden it begins to move foundations. It begins to crack foundations. It begins to shift rock. And you see what happens is, is this mustard seed gets into the crevices of a building and is able to literally shift the building. And it's one of the biggest destructive forces when it comes to nature in, in sandstone and what's built through, through natural sandstone and stuff like that. Friend, this is who the city is. You guys are a mustard seed who are going to get into the crevices of culture and begin to shift it. God is calling you to step into and realize that you are moving into the crevices of culture and beginning to shift it. How many people know that it took David to take down a giant. Five small stones. And friend, I want to say to you this morning that the influence that you guys have is going to eclipse anything that you ever seen or imagined in this city and beyond. I feel that this house is going to, like a mustard seed, begin to plant and begin to multiply of itself, not just in this city, but you're going to see it happen in nations. There is a DNA that is going to come out of this house that literally is going to begin to establish and affect different cultures within what we know as this part of Asia. Am I speaking to somebody? That there's going to be missions and missionaries coming out of this house that are literally going to take the DNA and culture of this house and begin to see city transforming exploits begin to happen beyond this place and beyond this region. Am I speaking to somebody? But God is looking for a donkey. He's looking for a mustard seed. He's looking for an ant. Jesus said, in my, your weakness, my strength is what? Made perfect. You see, one of the things we have to realize, and this is going to be a mark in this house, is the Bible talks about a sower who goes out and sows a seed. And he says he doesn't go back out every time looking at, at how it's growing. He just knows that in due season that it's going to produce a harvest. And one of the things we have to realize about the, the parable of the sower, about the parable of, of the mustard seed. Everything is connected to harvest. Everything is connected to process. Everything is connected to season. And I believe the Lord is looking for a people who know who they are no matter what season they're in. God is looking for a people who are willing to respond no matter where they found themselves. You see, this is what grieves me about this, the parable of the sower. It's all about the ground, but no one's talking about the seed. Have we considered this? We look to make sure that we're sowing into the right ground, but have we considered that we're actually sowing the right seed? I fear that if we live in a context of old thinking, we're not just going to sow good seed in bad ground, sometimes we can sow bad seed in good ground. And I'm not talking about bad being right and wrong. Sorry, I'm not to be talking about bad as in sin and death. I'm talking about that actually that seed doesn't belong in that ground. Yeah. 
And I fear sometimes, and I've seen this time and time again, that, that we have sown business people into ministry soil. And we've sown ministry people into business soil. And we've sown, we've sown surgeons into schools. And I'm telling you right now, God is raising up an Issachar anointing on this house in what to understand the seasons and how to respond to it. Because this house will be a house that's known as strategic implementation. This house will be known as a house of how to not just build cities, but populate them. Am I speaking to somebody? There is a strategicness about this house. There's a strategicness about this house that you will not just know the seed, but you'll also know where to sow it. And God will be bringing to you and bringing through you not just seeds that are going to plant churches, but seeds that are going to plant businesses, media schools. Someone from this house, God's going to use in the area of media that's going to be connected with Hollywood and connected with some major films. Who's connected like that? Put your hand up. If you're connected with, with cinematography or stuff to do with movement, who's that? I want to prophesy over you right now. Oh, is there someone here? Is there? What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Dean. Dean, the Lord's giving you right now He's going to give you open doors and is going to give you a palette of purpose on what it is to begin to form and establish them things that are going to begin to influence and establish that area of society and it's all going to be from the, to the glory of God. Whew. I'm not speaking to somebody. You see, the wait is over, but the wait has come. The wait is over, but the wait has come. And God is looking for the ants. He's looking for the donkeys. He's looking for the mosquitoes. Am I speaking to somebody? You see, when we pray and say, God, give me an oak, what does he give us? An acorn. When we say, God, give me that which, you know, is going to absolutely change the world. He doesn't give us that. He gives us the beginning of it. You see, we have to realize, I'm going to say it like this. If you want to see it, you've got to seed it. And the question is, is what are you seeding in your life to see what you want in your life? And all throughout Scripture, and I'm going to land with this right now, is, is all throughout Scripture, we see the fruit of things. And we all want the fruit. How many people we see the life of, you know, Heidi Baker. We see all these people. We're like, oh, I want to be like that. And we want the fruit, but we're not willing to sow the seed. And also at Scripture, you see this place where seed and fruit come together. And I'm going to give you some homework. I don't know if you ever had a homework on a Sunday, but let me give you some homework. Go through Scripture and find the fruit you want in your life. And connected with it, find the seed. Because it's in Scripture. Let me ask you this. How many people need direction in their life? Two, three people. The rest are <laughs> contemplated. 
We want direction in our life. You see, there's two places in Scripture that gives you the seed of direction. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will what? Direct your path. Trust and acknowledgement are seeds that bring about direction. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his ways, but God directs his steps. So what is the, the, the seed of direction? It's plans. Give your plans to the Lord, and He'll direct your steps. How many people want promotion? We all want promotion. Two or three people here. The rest are lying. And so, <laughs> what is the seed of promotion? The Bible tells us, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due season, he'll what? Promote you or exalt you. So the seedbed of promotion is what? Humility. And so I want to encourage you to go all throughout Scripture and find the fruits you want in your life and ask God to show you the seed you need to sow. Because when you start sowing them seeds, what you seed, you will see. Because if you want to see it, you've got to seed it. Yeah? And so I feel right now that this church, you're in seed time and harvest. You're in a place... Of there is, a, there is an invitation right now to start seeding that which you want to see in the next season. There is fertile soil right now in the, in, the, in the spirit that God is inviting you to start seeding. And what does that mean? Guys, you just start sowing. And I'm not talking financially because this is where we go to. Whenever we start talking about sowing, oh, it's time to start sowing, friends. Oh, yeah, well, you go, God, I'm going to pay you my, my temple tax. Sometimes you need to sow your time. Sometimes we need to sow our devotion. Am I speaking to somebody? And so it's an invitation right now to partner with God into seeding what we think is insignificant. The places that we think are insignificant and, and probably have low impact. I want to tell you right now. Friend, today, consider the donkey who brought in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you were saying to me, Gary, I haven't got time. You see, if God was all about the end product, if God was all about the fruit and not the seed, then Jesus would have come as a man and not an embryo. If God was all about the end product, then Jesus would come as a man and not as an embryo. And I feel right now, there is a, there is a birthing ready to take place in this house. But don't weary in well-doing. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, how long, God? I never asked that, amen? Because... A thousand years to God is a day, and a day is, is a thousand years. And there's a joke there which I haven't got time to go into. But I want to encourage you right now that you're a people who are you in every season. And so don't feel restricted by time. Harness time, and let's make hay while the sun is still shining. Amen? Am I speaking to somebody? Because God is bringing you guys into some significant 
opportunities. But it's going to take you sowing some insignificant things. So Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as you have established, as you have set apart this house, Lord, I thank you that you are cultivating, that you are preparing, that Lord, you are positioning and you are prospering this house for a significant influence, not just in this cities, but in cities. And Lord, I thank you that that significance, Lord, is going to be seen through us playing our part in what we feel is insignificant things. And so, Lord, I thank you right now that you're establishing, that you are fortifying, that you are bringing about such a shift in this house. Lord, Lord you are bringing uh, all hands on deck season because, Lord, there is, there will and there forever will be a depth and a breadth of what you're doing in and through this house. Friends, I want to ask you right now, if you feel, if you feel deeply moved in an area of realizing that God is, is and will continue to do significant things through this house, I want you to stand right now. I'm going to pray for you. If you are seeing beyond these four walls right now, if you're seeing beyond these, these four walls of what God is doing, not just in this city and beyond, and you know God has put a part in your heart to play a part in it, I want you to stand right now. And this isn't a call about getting a heart for the house. This isn't a call for, hey, are you with us? Or I'm calling you right now. There are people in this place that God has set apart for significant exploits, and you feel like you're insignificant right now. You feel like you, you, you just don't have what it takes. But God is going to stir something in you right now to see a city change. David asked this question, can a city be, be turned to you in a day? And this is what's going to happen. I see through this house that God is going to turn people in a day. In Jesus' name. So I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every person who recognizes and realizes that what you're doing is way bigger. Way bigger, God. Way bigger than what we're seeing. Way bigger than what we can even believe. But Lord, I thank you that you're using seeds. You're using ants. You're using mosquitoes. Lord, you're using these things that we believe as the least impact, but as the greatest. And so, Lord, I release right now. Thank you, Lord. Can you play in the key of C for me? That'd be awesome. I'm going to wait because there's a resonance that's, that's going to be released right now. And that resonance is going to stir and unlock something in this house. Because I feel right now there's an awakening that God wants to do in our hearts right now. And it's, it's an awakening to, to that which He has already seeded 
but he wants you to see it.